0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. So we're a couple minutes past the hour, and I want to be mindful of just the topic at hand and how much we do have to discuss. So I'm Kayla Craddock with NACDD. I'm going to be helping uh, the call with the chat and just other background functions. Um, So just wanted to give you a reminder, we are recording today's call, given the topic. um, Couldn't have a lot of details discussed, so we will make this available Um, After today's call, thank you for joining and accepting that recording option. Um, If you could, um, if your name is not already your name and state within your uh, sign in please change that and then also you can put your name and state within the chat we will be monitoring the chat for any questions and discussion points today. So we would just like to know who's on um, so we can hear all the great work that you're doing and even follow up with technical assistance as needed. So thank you all. I will hand it over to, I guess, Tiffany to kick us off.
1: That sounds great. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Uh, I almost said Monday. It is Tuesday, though it very much feels like a Monday. So um, I appreciate you all jumping on. It's good to see everyone. And um, we can go ahead and go to the next slide. So we're here talking about MTM, medication therapy management with our partners. And we, uh, Rachel and myself are part of area three, or yes, area three. Um, And so we are, um, I am Tiffany Kanoff. I'm the health systems and pharmacy coordinator for the North Dakota Department of Health. So it is very good uh, to see you all today. We can go ahead to the next slide. We are going to start with a few poll questions um, because everybody's work with pharmacy is a little bit different. So, if you can go ahead and take a second to answer the first poll, which is before 1815, 1817, were you working with pharmacy as part of your cardiovascular disease prevention efforts? All right, so it looks like we are vast majority know which is kind of what we are hearing from our partners um, across many states is that you know well 1815 gave us a new opportunity to work with pharmacy and I think many of us were a little scared in the beginning. Uh, Any thoughts on that any for those of you that did work with pharmacy was your work similar to what you're working on for 1815 1817. This is Christelle from
0: Montana. Uh, For the 1305 grant, we worked on team up pressure down project. so we focused on blood pressure medication adherence with quite a few pharmacies.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing. All right, Julia, you can go ahead and go on to question number two. So this is going to be a select all that apply. So as part of your 1815 work, which pharmacy organizations are you partnering with? Um, So you can go ahead and select all of those that apply to your work within 1815, 1817 pharmacy. All right, so looking at our poll results, 91% of us are partnering with our community-based pharmacies. 82% are partnering with colleges of pharmacy. And then another about half of us are partnering with a state pharmacy association. So um, I know retail chains can definitely be a challenge to get some uh, leverage, but does anyone wanna share um, an exciting partnership that they've found within these partners? Somebody, somebody find the smoking gun in, uh, in these partnerships that's helped them really find some
2: success that they wanna share? You know, in South Dakota, we only have one college of pharmacy. And it just so happened that right as we were writing our 1815 initial application, they had a new division had come on board who had done all kinds of the same work in other areas before she came to South Dakota. So we really just had that person fall into our lap at the perfect time. And if she wouldn't have come on board with our pharmacy school, I mean, we would be nowhere near where we are now because um, South Dakota had not worked with pharmacies. before 1815, we have had no idea where to go or who to reach out to or anything like that. So we got really lucky in finding that great partner just at the perfect time as we were starting 1815 and without that we like I said we we wouldn't be where we are with our pharmacy effort and we just got lucky. <laughs>
1: And we're right there with you, Rachel in North Dakota. Uh, we luckily found somebody at the pharmacy Pharmacists Association uh, that was really interested in this work, had already started a lot of the diabetes and cardiovascular disease work that was happening in the state, which was minimal, but um, it was some. And so he got us connected with Colleges of Pharmacy and that is our dream team. Um, we are, we yeah, we would not be in the same place if we would not have been connected with those individuals, so. Finding the right individual has definitely been helpful. We can go ahead and go on to our third and final poll question, if you wouldn't mind, Julia. So taking a look at what uh, pharmacy services you've been working on expanding or implementing in your state as a result of the 1815 efforts. So again, this is a select all that apply. So within your pharmacy work, what of these have you been working on? Excellent. So taking a look at our results here. So MTM sessions provided, and I know that MTM and the definition of that um, has been really left up to interpretation. So we'll be interested to see what people are willing to and able to share here in our coming discussion questions around that. Collaborative practice agreements has definitely been a focus area for us also in North Dakota. MTM and other trainings uh, is definitely necessary with Uh, a few others that are working on getting some pharmacists placed in clinical settings um, as well as some reimbursement which we all know will be the sustainability of a lot of the work that we're doing so does anyone want to share about some of the collaborative practice agreement success that they've seen and it looks like jennifer commented in the chat regarding to i'm assuming this is around reimbursement but she's just wondering if other states have worked with private insurers um, because their relationship with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Vermont and the clinical pharmacist really has helped um, their process with pharmacy.
3: And Tiffany, this is um, Jen from Vermont. That might've been more related to your previous poll question, um, just as far as some of the different partners, because um, this is something that's new to us. So certainly a worthwhile, um, we're a very small state, so really helpful to have our private insurers on board.
1: Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And we will talk about kind of reimbursement regarding sustainability and billable opportunities here on our second discussion question so just don't let me forget Jennifer to to work back around to that question if you don't mind.
0: And uh, Amy in Kansas, um, one of the areas has had good success with the blue bag program. Amy, would you mind sharing a little bit more about that I'm familiar but I also don't want to get it wrong from my time in Virginia oh sure um, and
4: we actually have had two different areas attempted and one was um more successful than the other i think probably as a result of the enthusiasm of the of the clinic for it and the willingness for them to refer but basically um oh i should add um one of the adjustments that the program that was struggling made um that increased their success was reducing the number of medications required to four from eight. So the Blue Bag Program takes, um, traditionally takes patients that have a large number of prescriptions and um, originally eight or more. Um, and they give them a little bag um, with some general information about chronic disease management in it. And I don't know if all the Blue Bag programs do that or not, or if it was specific to the programs that. They're doing it here in Kansas, but um, they take that bag with them to the pharmacist and the pharmacist does um, medicine reconciliation. Um, While they're there, they're checking for um, cross reactions between drugs, um, prescriptions that need to be updated, uh, basically any any sort of um, need with their prescriptions while they're there. Um, So yeah, our North central Kansas area was having really great success with it. And I, they've continued to do the program and then um, we had another area that was struggling a little bit um, with recruitment, but they lowered the number of prescriptions down to four medications and um, saw an increase in participation. So um, it's a pretty, pretty nice, simple program. The blue bag is a, is a really good prompt um, for patients to, you know, uh, follow up and get to the pharmacy after they visited
1: their clinic. So when you take a look at the research article, it does have um, some of the really great resources related to how they found success for this. So if anybody is looking for um, an option to start this up in their pharmacy um, or with their pharmacy partners, this would be a really a really good option. And it does look like the it was a uh, rural independent community pharmacies where this research article was based out of. So hopefully that's helpful for some if they want a little bit more information. Thank you for sharing Amy, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely Kayla, I've heard of that too, um, but I haven't had it in our region. So I'm, I'm interested to see how all, this, how all this plays out with QIO starting to get involved with pharmacy too.
0: Yeah, right. and before we, move, you can probably move to the next actual discussion, but I did just wanna say thanks Patrick for the comment about your work to get a CPA in place. Um, with the University of Florida, um, so having a certification process so that it allows for a comprehensive MTM service delivery. Definitely something great to consider.
1: Excellent. Can we move on to our first discussion topic, Julia? Thank you so much. So our first discussion topic is really just trying to get a better understanding of kind of the wide variety of pharmacy work that is happening Under 1815, 1817. And to kind of start this off, I will not be one of the volunteers, but I will share what we are doing in North Dakota, um, just to give you guys all a little bit of context of my background in MTM. So through our work with the School of Pharmacy here in North Dakota, we also only have one like Rachel, as well as our North Dakota Pharmacists Association, we started a student rotation enhanced MTM project. So what we're doing is having students from the School of Pharmacy that are in their fourth year of pharmacy school go out to rural pharmacies that have applied and decided to partner with us and as part of their five-week rotation they are doing enhanced MTM services and trying to develop chronic disease programs within those rural pharmacies. So screening for prediabetes, assisting with testing A1Cs, um, medication adherence, working on um, doing comprehensive med reviews, kind of the full nine yards. They are taking blood pressures. And then our pharmacists association did sponsor blood pressure cuffs for each of these pharmacies. So they are doing a loaner cuff program as well. So we're doing a lot around pharmacy, but this is just one of the projects that uh, we find is a little bit unique. So Does anybody else want to come off mute and be one of our volunteers to share what they're doing?
3: I don't don't mind sharing what um, some of Vermont's uh, activities right now. If um, we, I, I should mention that COVID really interrupted a lot of our pharmacy work unfortunately and probably other states experienced a similar situation. I think pharmacists were deployed Um, similar to other frontline positions to really carry a lot of the load as far as testing and vaccination. And so we're still kind of in recovery from that. Um, But I I should mention one of our big activities that's upcoming and thank you, North Dakota. Um, We are about to administer at the end of this summer, a statewide pharmacy survey and we are leveraging our our North Dakota survey um, tool to be able to build out what we wanna create um, as it relates to heart disease and diabetes prevention and management with pharmacies. So we're really excited for that. That hopefully will allow us to collect some really useful data. Unfortunately, again, we were hoping to deploy that survey two years ago and then COVID hit. So that was our intention to be able to build out some of our 1815 work. So regardless, I think this is a good step. We'll have some useful information. We'll be able to really, um, Hopefully, expand this work and given what our next NOFOs will look like, be able to include uh, expansion of the work into that. Um, so, that's upcoming. We're also working with some um, federally qualified health centers and the embedded pharmacies in those to create um, more protocols around team based care. Um, Uh, MTM and also just self-management program and referrals. And we're working with one specifically to see how we can even maybe consider having them host uh, DPP or our hypertension self-management program. Um, We're also just at the state level trying to build awareness of the self-management programs that exist here in Vermont. We have a very unique structure where we have no billing or reimbursement tied to those programs, so they're free and accessible to all Vermonters, um, of course, depending on their eligibility. uh, But we were able to even present at the Vermont Pharmacists Association's annual meeting this past spring to kind of just build that awareness and even taking a step further, you know, going out to those community pharmacies to bring rack cards for our self-management Management programs to put into bags for eligible folks. Um, so just trying to really create a bridge to the work that we're doing um, and make those referrals. And I think, you know, just expanding the team based care model. We're working with our other healthcare leadership to really um, promote and encourage the inclusion of pharmacists in those models. So they're not segregated because, again, we know they're just such a primary point person and seeing so many individuals with chronic conditions so frequently. Um, so those are some of our high level high level activities.
1: Thank you Jennifer and William I think I saw you come
5: off of mute do you want to go next yeah sure so I just want to share what we are doing here in North Carolina so basically what we do is uh, we target uh, the priority areas Uh, and we've been uh, pretty lucky so far uh, to be able to identify pharmacists a pharmacist that are interested in uh, partnering with us uh, to reach out to the uh, priority uh, population um, so uh, what they do is uh, when we are recruiting them and bringing in them, uh, them on board, uh, we uh, encourage them to uh, create a CPA with the providers, which has been going pretty well. Uh, so that has been going uh, really well. So what else, uh, another thing that we've been doing, is partnering with North Carolina Association of Pharmacists. They've been very, very helpful. They've been letting some of our pharmacists who have been very successful present in their conferences. They recently had one, their annual conference, to encourage more pharmacists that are not already providing MTM services. Uh, to provide, but uh, yeah, we have, uh, those, uh, we have a good uh, partnership with uh, the North Carolina Association of Pharmacists. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, William, for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah, collaborative practice agreements, I think definitely vary from state to state on what their options are and how they're developed. But um, once you can get some of those in place, it really does feel like you're gonna be able to pick up steam a little bit with that momentum. Absolutely, opens a lot of doors. And who is going to be our third and final volunteer?
4: I can share something interesting that our partners learn about through their pharmacy work. Yes, please do. Um, we work really closely with the Kansas Pharmacists Association, and you know they had been getting um, trying to get pharmacists to attend these um, virtual trainings about you know MTM and team based care and they really were not having any luck. Um, So they actually started driving around to the pharmacies and having one-to-one meetings. And everybody wanted to do this work. Um, They just didn't want to get online to hear about the work. So um, that's actually their, um, their preference now because they were actually um, wasting more time trying to get people to attend things that they weren't gonna show up for than they would. Um, and they have two different people in two different areas so that they can have a better reach in Kansas. But um, yeah, they have, they have found it to be more efficient to actually get out there, drive up to the pharmacies and um, just talk with them. We have a lot of like family owned pharmacies um, and just talk with them.
1: Yeah, we are in a very similar boat in North Dakota too. Almost all of our pharmacies are independently owned. Um, We have very few chain. I want to say we have a handful, five or six chains in North Dakota. Um, And so, yeah, we're with you. We had to do kind of our pharmacy statewide tour and we drove around uh, based on our pharmacy survey and and met with pharmacists one-on-one. So pre-COVID, lots of fun opportunities.
4: Yeah, well, in the, the pharmacists hired a lot of techs um, during COVID, and now yeah. they're looking for things for them to do. So it's just a really great opportunity in this final, final year that we have, because they're looking for a new role for them, and we have a couple of roles for them.
1: Absolutely. And Amy, we should connect mid-year here. Um, I'm going to write your name down as, as somebody to reach out to. We have one pharmacy who's doing a pilot using med techs to try to reduce medication abandonment. Um, So they're looking at three months previous data and looking at what kinds or types of patients are abandoning their hypertension and diabetes meds. And then they're working on looking forward and applying what they learned to try to identify patients that might abandon meds and then work on doing some follow-up using their pharmacy techs. Great. So it might be a cool, another cool opportunity to take a look at um, at Adherence. Yeah, definitely. All right, do we wanna move on to our next question, Julia? I think we're right on time so far, which is great. Thank you everybody for sharing, I appreciate that. So we've talked a lot about sustainability and how hard it is in each state to uh, get these types of services for pharmacy. Um, And I can just share, this is again going to be an opportunity for every state or at least three states to share. Within North Dakota, we can bill MTM services through our North Dakota Medicaid. It does require a pre-approval process, which can take upwards of three months, which we all know is a significant barrier. And then the documentation and actual billing platform is incredibly labor intensive. um, And honestly, in most cases, not worth the pharmacy's efforts. But we do have opportunities now within the state of North Dakota for pharmacists to prescribe and bill for tobacco cessation. So they pharmacists can actually write a prescription for tobacco cessation supplies, um, gum, patches, lozenges, all of that. And then they can actually bill out through Medicaid for um, tobacco cessation counseling. And then they can also bill out for immunizations. So identifying missing immunizations, COVID does not fall under that category, Um, but missing immunizations, each opportunity that they um, offer and provide an immunization that's missing, they can bill out for that also through North Dakota Medicaid. So um, we do have some opportunities within our state to bill, um, but they are uh, definitely looking to have more opportunities in our state. So any, Uh, It could be successes. It could be challenges around billing. We would just love to hear what other states are uh, experiencing around billing for MTM
2: services. Well, in South Dakota, this has been a real struggle for us. We have partnered closely with one of our payers, um, Avera Health Plans. Avera is one of um, our three large health systems in South Dakota, and then they also have a health plan. Um, and so we've been working with them very closely, particularly looking at their data and utilizing that. And the problem is, of course, they want a lot of return on investment information before they will commit to any reimbursement type models. And as everybody knows, it takes a long time to actually get return on investment information. And so we really haven't had the chance to get a lot of that information Um piled up and and packaged up and ready to go at this point. Um, So a lot of our work has been reimbursed through $18, $15. And so we are trying to cram as many things as possible into one package. So I'm thinking of our CPESN work. We are having them do SMBP in their pharmacies. And then as part of the SMBP initial assessment, they're doing an MTM session. We also have them referring to and providing DPP, um, referring to our other lifestyle management programs. Um, and so each location is working on multiple 18 strategies, 18, 15 strategies at once, so we can provide as much funding on our end as possible. And then that all goes into the return on investment information that we're able to pass on to our payers. But unfortunately, like I said, it just takes a long time to get that information. And of course, they don't want national data, they want local data. So having that information from other states helps a little, but not a whole lot when it comes to, you know, getting them to, to come on over to our side and help with the reimbursement piece. But Um, So it has been definitely a struggle. We don't have any Medicaid reimbursement or anything at this point. Um, So we just keep plugging along and hopefully pharmacy will be on the next five year cooperative agreement and we'll have more opportunity to continue working on this because it's definitely an issue, Um, especially because like North Dakota, we have a lot of small mom and pop pharmacies and the reimbursement piece is definitely a big concern. We've had several pharmacies close recently, just because the financial, financial pieces is really tough and they're not able to continue keeping their doors open. So we're continuing to work on this and hopefully we'll come up with some solutions soon.
1: And Rachel, I know you guys are working on the community health worker strategy. We've had some interest from pharmacies in looking at that model. Have you guys integrated community health workers into your pharmacies and how does that change or
2: affect the billable opportunities? Sure. So we are just getting some trained official CHWs on board. Um, We just had our first class go through the training Uh, not too long ago, they've been on the job for a few months. Our pharmacies are planning on incorporating them. Um, We have a few locations that have delivery drivers that go out and deliver medications. And so we're we're cross-training them as CHWs. So since they're going to the patient's home already, then they are able to provide some of those CHW services, which can help with the reimbursement. Um, At this point, we only have CHW reimbursement for Medicaid. Um, So that limits the patients, obviously, that will qualify for that reimbursement, but it is better than nothing. Um, So we'll continue to expand the the CHW piece going out into the communities um, and hopefully as we get more CHWs through the training and certified so that they are able to request reimbursement, then we'll have more more of those types of circumstances and instances that we can build off of. Awesome,
1: thanks for sharing that. It's fun to see all the worlds come together, right? Um, Who else wants to share their successes or challenges related to billable opportunities for MTM?
3: I I can share in Vermont that there was a recently, I think it's very recent, covered benefit with tobacco and uh, tobacco cessation education provided from a um, pharmacist. So I don't know as much about that. I just learned um, recently about it. So I'm meeting with my tobacco team actually coming up soon to talk more about it. Um, But I think MTM in general has been really confusing for a lot of our pharmacists, and I'm not sure where the disconnect is. So one thing we're considering with the Vermont Pharmacists Association is doing more training or education or outreach. Um, to understand it a little bit more and understand what the needs are there is some criteria there is some um, reimbursement mechanisms through Medicaid and I think our blue advantage through blue cross blue shield but the criteria um, that you have to meet in order to be eligible to receive those services I think can be burdensome on the pharmacist, especially depending on their script volume and and what else they're doing. Um, So we're also similar to South Dakota doing some MTM pilots um, and incorporating it into our other kind of grant agreement work. Um, and hopefully down the road we can kind of, um, streamline reimbursement. So that's more accessible for MTM across all private and public insurers.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The documentation is pretty extensive in North Dakota too. And I want to say it's like a $13 reimbursement. So they're like the amount of time that I've spent with this person. And then the amount of time it takes me to bill, I'm still in the negative. So just makes more sense for them to not bill, which is unfortunate. Amy, do you wanna share a little bit more about just Engage Doctor, what that is? Um, She shared that Engage Doctor is what we've been, some of the pharmacists have been going through to help generate revenue. Do you just wanna give a quick couple sentence synopsis of what Engage Doctor is? Sure,
4: Sure. I think Missouri also, I I could be thinking of the wrong state. I think Missouri also has done this and maybe has been doing it for longer, but it's basically just a group that, of trains the um, pharmacy and then has ongoing coaching with the pharmacy to um, implement procedures related to that business side to help them generate more revenue and um, know how to bill for that collaborative work that they're doing and, and that sort of thing. So it's really um, more of, I think it's a six month to one year process. Um, where they have ongoing contact with engaged Doctor to kind of get set up and in a good place.
1: Awesome, look at that. I've learned about two brand new programs that I did not know uh, about, so I'm excited to be able to learn more about these. This is wonderful.
0: Yeah, and Kelly from Colorado says they're just starting out working with that, so that's great.
2: Is that a program that you pay for through 1815 for your pharmacists, or can you talk a little bit about that piece?
4: Mm-hmm. We're using 1815 1815 funding, yes. Okay. It is one of those things you can actually get approved to spend money on with 1815 funding. So that's a plus. I think that the advantage is it should be sustainable. Like it's a one-time thing. Once the pharmacy has had it, they should be good to go.
1: Awesome, thanks so much, Amy, for sharing. We can probably go on to our next slide, Julia, if you don't mind. All right, this is one of my favorite questions because I am a data guru. I love data and I think that data is really important to not only tell our story, um, but also to be able to streamline our impact. Um, So the questions are, what kind of data are you collecting Where are you getting it? How are you getting it? And how have your pharmacy partners defined what constitutes MTM? So in our state, um, I'll just share, we're collecting data from our individual pharmacies on the actual processes that they are working to improve and implementing, as well as the students that are out on rotation are sharing encounter data. So if they do an MTM, they'll tell us the date, the chronic disease the individual has, and then what types of um, things they found and work through with each and every patient. So um, on any given year for the last three years, we've had about 400 to 500 different encounters tracked uh, to be able to see kind of what these students are finding and doing. And then what constitutes an MTM? So we have defined this for our students as well as for our pharmacies. But what we found is that there is, and Jennifer with our pharmacy survey, what we kind of found is there's this entry level MTM, kind of the bare bones that they say, hey, these are the meds you're on, no problems, right? blood is good, you know, they kind of go through the very basic information. And then there's a much more enhanced MTM, which, you know, they're doing more of the chronic disease management, they're going through and making sure that patients are truly taking their meds as prescribed and they really kind of do a deeper dive. Um, we found that the entry level MTM, the very basic takes five to seven minutes. And then when you get into that 15 minutes to, you know, an up category, you're kind of in the enhanced. Uh, levels of services. So um, that's kind of what I, our experience has been. Um, we do not have pharmacies connected to our HIE, um, that they are able to view it, but they are currently not uploading any data to it. So we're not able to get any data out of it. Um, so each is coming from each and every individual student is uploading weekly, and then each and every pharmacy is sharing quarterly, as well as our pharmacy survey, which goes out statewide. Again, looking for three volunteers thoughts on what people want to share about what kind of data they're collecting from pharmacy.
2: I can share which is a little bit different spin on the data piece which is around our patient population actually. Um, In South Dakota we did a, a landscape analysis the first year and found that really patients don't know what pharmacists do, our providers don't, our payers don't. And so we have our activities broken into the different stakeholder groups. And for our patient work, we have been doing a lot of, um, we've been focusing a lot on awareness campaigning. We have a commercial and all these handouts, different materials that we made. And so we do, um, people are able to sign up to participate in our our focus groups where we collect survey information, pre-exposure and post-exposure to the different awareness materials we make. Um, and then we also, anybody that is provided MTM services, they also do these kind of survey things where they're doing the pre and post exposure. And that obviously helps us modify the different awareness campaigns that we're doing and the, the materials that we're making. Um, and, and so we, uh, we have been collecting that, um, we've also been working with our payers, like I mentioned earlier, where we're looking at claims data and we're looking at the services that they provide, um, for our MTM, we're, we're only really tracking the enhanced version that Tiffany spoke of, um, because like I said, our pharmacists that, Considered, well, if I ask them if they're having any questions, then that constitutes an MTM, which, you know, that's not exactly what we were meaning by MTM. So the way that we're tracking that is through who we train. Um, because they are required to do those enhanced MTMs as part of their training. And so we know that they're completing all the components we want them to complete. And so that's what we're tracking. And that's all through the training that we're providing through our School for Pharmacy, um, which is the American Pharmacists Association, MTM certification, um, as well as the diabetes training through APHA and cardiovascular before they discontinued that training.
1: Thanks so much, Rachel, for sharing. I appreciate that. Others want to share what kind of data they're collecting for pharmacy. Looks like Michelle shared in the chat that they've de- they designed a couple of pharmacy pilots where they have pharmacy fully integrated into providers EHR, So she's able to get some patient uh, level outcome data. That's awesome, Michelle. Have the providers had any other benefits? I mean, obviously there's a lot of potential benefits from accessing Patients EHR records. Have you found some unexpected um, or exciting data points that from those from that type of access?
6: I don't know if we've seen anything unexpected. Um, I don't. In terms of exciting, um, you know, we've. I don't have the data um, at my fingertips, but there was a certain percentage of persons who were. Um, quote unquote, discharged from our program because of their improvements in their blood pressure. So that's ultimately what we want. So that's that's terrific. I, I just don't have that percentage at my at my fingertips. Um, but we're intentionally avoiding um, programming that is fragmented care because it, I think that's just one of the problems. pharmacists in here in Michigan, um, they don't have full prescriptive authority, they have to work under collaborative practice agreements and those, you know, in theory they're great, but they're fraught with difficulty in terms of actually putting them into place.
1: Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Michelle. Do you know what EHR platform those providers are using?
6: Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know if someone else was talking, I didn't, I wasn't sure what no, was.
1: Somebody just came off on, came off mute. So oh, okay, I'm problem. sorry.
6: Um, yeah, so I, ju- I just kind of stopped mid sentence there, but um, yeah, we're 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 intentionally trying to avoid developing programming with that fragmented care, but developing f- programs that are fully integrated with providers is not easy either. So it's it it's slow go. Uh, you know, we don't have like a ton of data, but it's we're we're working on it. We're we're getting there. Um, Different providers use different platforms. I know off the top of my head, one of them uses Epic. Um, I'm not sure about the other primary care office, but what's great is our pharmacy partners, um, they have the ability to um, both read and write into the, into the EHR. So um, the, the docs can, um, you know, see what they recommend in real time.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's excellent, thank you. Uh, we have a couple of pharmacy pharmacists that we've had, we've been able to embed within the clinics of our some of our larger health systems in the state. So they're working and practicing as AMCARE pharmacists. And the amount of impact that they've had because they can, you know number one, meet with the providers one-on-one kind of in the hallway, um, but also be able to see the full spectrum of patient care over time has been quite amazing. Um, I have to say our biggest impact though, not only in reducing A1Cs, I know that's not what we're here to talk about today, um, but has been with our high cholesterol patients and getting them on a statin. statin. Um, we've had, I think it was like 15 to 17% of the patients within this larger health system had been listed as uh, statin intolerant, and when in reality, the patient had never even tried a statin. So um, those, you know, those patients are able to be combed through by that Amcare pharmacist and are really able to be um, managed better by the Amcare pharmacist within the within the health system. So it looks like Kelly shared that they receive eCare data from their CPESN three times um, annually, and then they conduct a review follow-up survey with their cohort pharmacists. So. Thanks so much. I'm not for, we don't have CPESN in North Dakota. Can you share kind of what is coming from that eCare data? She might not have a microphone and that's okay. So Kelly, if you don't mind dropping in the comments, uh, what what kind of data you get from the eCare? I'd be really interested to know.
7: Thanks for your patience with my technical difficulties. Can everyone- That's okay.
1: Yes, we can Um, hear you, Kelly. um,
7: Great. (laughs) Um, So uh, for the eCare data, uh, we are able to, our promises are entering in um, uh, e-care plans for diabetes education, hypertension education, dyslipidemia education, um, uh, medication adherence. Um, so we're able to count frequencies of, of those encounters. Um, we are also able to use the, um, the file with medications prescribed to um, identify those patients who who uh, are likely to have diabetes or have um, have hypertension or um, dyslipidemia, or cardio uh, CVD diagnosis, um, and so kind of uh, work that, report these frequencies of care um, e care planning um, with, for those populations. Uh, we also ha- have access to data, if the pharmacists enter it, uh, some um, enter it more frequently than others, but we have uh, blood pressure readings, so we're able to um, look at, um, at at control of uh, blood pressure and A1C, um, but the, sometimes the data has been the limiting with that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what we've been able to, and we're also... Um, also, kind of looking uh, at uh, appointment-based model. Then benefit- we're um, working with pharmacists to um, to start delivering an appointment-based model. So we're um, looking at the eCare Plan data to see um, outcomes from the appointment-based model that, that uh, they're starting to run.
4: I
1: hope that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much, Kelly. No, I appreciate it. Like I said, we don't have CBESN in North Dakota. So I'm always interested to know kind of what that all encompasses. So thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. All right, we can go to our last and final question, Julia, just to make sure we are staying on time. And our last question is about everything that we're focusing on in year five, which is sustainability. So what does the sustainability look like in your pharmacy work? What are you trying to... Uh, as I've been trying to tell my pharmacy partners, what are you trying to wrap up with a pretty bow um, at the end of year five, and what are some things that you're looking to carry forward? And ultimately, what we really want to know uh, on top of what you're doing to sustain to sustain your work is, do you hope to continue this work? And if so, in the within the new nofo, what do you what do you anticipate or what would you like to see done differently or the same, um, and some future goals with pharmacy? And I would say within North Dakota, a couple of things we're working on for sustainability is sustaining our student project, as well as um, the projects that we're working on with our rural pharmacies related to the processes that the students are creating. So we're working to um, help them sustain those in year five um, and trying to develop them into something that can be absorbed by other members of the pharmacy once the students, um, if the students don't come back on rotation in the future and we definitely hope that the pharmacy work continues. Um, I would like to see from CDC um, or from another national source kind of their definition of what they consider the basics of what what has to be part of an MTM um, in order for it to count. I think some continuity across um, the recommendations would be wonderful because then I think it also would help us when we have conversations with payers to let them know that at bare minimum, this is what you are expected to receive um, or your patients should be expected to receive. Um, and our future goals is um, our, some of our pharmacy partners are working on a billing uh, and documentation platform. And that platform will, inc- will streamline the billing- billable Uh, requirements for pharmacy to submit, um, and then that will actually be piloted with a couple of private insurers as well. So my future goals would be for pharmacy services to actually be paid um, at an appropriate rate. So big lofty goal, but I think we can do it in year five. Thoughts from other folks folks on sustainability and uh, what they kind of anticipate that they would like to see coming out of pharmacy in the next NOFO?
2: Well, one nice thing in South Dakota, we have also integrated quite a few pharmacists into the clinical setting. And some of them have been in there for a couple of years now. And so even though our payers uh, aren't seeing the return on investment yet, our health systems that employ those pharmacists are. And so they have been picking up a lot of the, um, the salary dollars and stuff so that those folks will be able to continue working if, even if it's not full-time, but at least a few days a week being in the clinic or maybe afternoons or something like that. Um, they also We also have one health system that um, created kind of an overarching center of operations pharmacist who um, is able to oversee multiple pharmacists within that health system, and so Physicians can, you know, send a referral to this pharmacist if they have questions or, or um, need a consult or things like that, and that's that person's primary job is just to be overseeing the different needs in multiple pharmacists. So our health systems are definitely seeing the benefit through the outcomes that they're having. And we definitely want to continue our pharmacy work in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through team-based care or something, we're going to find a way to make sure that we get to keep working on it because we have these huge grandiose plans that if COVID had not come along, we probably would have been further uh, with this work than we are. But like was mentioned earlier, our pharmacists took a pretty big hit too um, when we were dealing with all the, the mess of COVID. So we're gonna find a way to incorporate them into our next nofo. I don't care uh, what our activities are. We're gonna figure it out.
1: We'll get our degrees in creative writing, Rachel. I'm right there with you. So uh, no, we are we are committed, and and honestly, the partnerships. There's way too much energy behind them um, in North Dakota to let those go by the wayside. Um, and and I've changed my title. My title's been changed to I'm the pharmacy coordinator. So we have to keep pharmacy, right? So there you go. Sustainability is everybody just gets their title changed uh, to pharmacy coordinator. Anybody else want to share? I know uh, Michelle said in the comments that within uh, community pharmacy, it you know it is more difficult to have it be sustainable because the the low ROI. But I have to say, um, Michelle, we've had some really interesting. I know immunizations is not part of this, this NOFO specifically, um, but our pharmacists are funded to do some um, immunization work and within um, the MTM services they provide with us, part of it is covered by um, an immunization grant as well. And our pharmacists identified over 700 missing immunizations for chronic disease patients. So these are only diabetes and hypertension patients. They actually were able to administer 51% of those. So they got 51% of patients to get caught up on their immunizations. So when we look at return on investment, it's it's going to be different in making that sales pitch. I know Rachel's going through that right now. Uh, making that sales pitch is a little bit different, but I think if we think a little bit creatively around what this work entails, I think I think the ROI is there, especially when it comes to patient health, when it comes to access, um, you know, when it comes to knowledge around medication, um, we've seen a, a drastic reduction in patients uh, reporting immunization or reporting medication challenges, um, meaning side effects or in drug interactions um, after they meet with our team. So, I think you know, patient patient satisfaction is a huge piece of this as well. They may not save a lot of money. But I actually think that they will uh, they will in the long run, especially if we can get the patients immunized and in good control. Does somebody else want to share about sustainability in pharmacy or what they want to do in the future NOFO around pharmacy? We'll take one more comment and then we will be done for the day, you guys. Uh, I don't mind going in Vermont.
3: Um, I think we're hoping to learn a lot from our statewide survey, Um, we're hoping to get some good responses um, from pharmacists across different clinical and community settings, and that will help us really dive into what might be necessary um, for our next round of work, if pharmacy is included, and we are also hoping that it will be included because we really see pharmacists as such, uh, such an extension of this work. Um, So I think that's one area just in general, we're really hoping to put our time into kind of that provision of provider status and that compensation, you know, recognizing pharmacists for these services um, in this team-based care model. So I'd like to see more from the national, um, you know, different organizations nationally working together, CDC, HRSA, um, the American Association College of Pharmacy, um, you know, all these different uh, networks and and um, federal organizations to be able to include pharmacy uh, more intentionally because I think they really have such an important role in all of this work. Um, and I'm hoping here in Vermont, you know, we can really leverage their positions um, to kind of be one of the, um, you know, main points of contact for screening and having that accessibility piece being, you know, if they're the first place a patient finds out they have high blood pressure, then having those referral mechanisms. And again, just going back to that team based care model, um, really kind of institutionalizing how pharmacists fit in our state.
1: We are doing the exact same thing. I, I exactly, I exactly echo what you said, Jennifer. And I would strongly encourage you all. If I know data is sometimes hard to come by with pharmacy, also encourage you to ask them in year five for a success story. Um, we found this really impactful to talk about our story. Uh, one pharmacist shared that they uh, found a patient with an incredibly high blood pressure, got them to the hospital. Um, had to call 911, got them to the hospital and the patient was indeed in the middle of a heart attack. Um, But if they wouldn't have taken the patient's blood pressure in the pharmacy, uh, that patient was driving themselves home uh, with their wife in the car. So I think, you know, there are some amazing, amazing success stories out there. We've just got to give them the opportunities to submit them. And so this year, um, year four, as well as in year five, every time they submit us a progress report and reimbursement, uh, they have or encouraged to also submit a success story. So, um, but I appreciate everyone taking the time today. I know we all have other calls to jump on to, um, but I wish you all luck in year five and thank you for uh, joining us today.